Hi, this is Pastor Wilson. Thank you so much for joining our podcast, Renew Church OC, where we pre- present different sermon series that I hope will enrich your life. The next six weeks, we'll be going through our series, Unstuck, where we go through six stages of spiritual development and how we can progress from one stage to another while appreciating each stage that we're in. I hope it helps you on your spiritual journey as you get a landscape of where God is taking you now and where he's taking you in the years to come. God bless. All right, if I could get your attention, please. Thank you so much. If I could get your attention up here, please. I know it just flies by when we're talking and sharing our stories. Uh, It just kind of flies by. Hello, good morning, Renew. Uh, I am uh, Dave Jung. I'm the, uh, I'm the uh, family pastor here at the church, and uh, I get to be giving the Easter message this morning. And so uh, I want to start off, you know, what was the most memorable display of love that you've ever experienced in your life? You've been able to kind of share that. Let me share mine uh, with you. Uh, if we could put the picture up. Um, can we put the picture? Oh, thank you. All right. Why the astonishment, huh? That is me. That is me. Very long ago, and that's my wife, Joanne. You know, Joanne looks about the same. I look a little bit different, but I swear that's me. That's not another man, right? And I just wanted to let you know, this is when we were actually dating. And uh, I know many, many, I mean, it's almost been, well, I won't tell you, but it's, it's been a long time, you know? And I remember when I first met uh, Joanne, I don't know if she's here right now. We'll talk about her if she's not. Uh, so I remember when I first met her, it was love at first sight. Now, I don't know, those of you that are married, if it was love at first sight for you, if it was, would you raise your hand? Let me know. Okay. All right. All right. It happens, right? Uh, I met, why are you guys still laughing? All right. Anyway, I met I met Joanne at a retreat. I was the pastor, and I was actually in charge of the retreat, and Joanne was actually one of the team members. It was called Glow of Love, okay? So I'm setting the stage here, Glow of Love retreat, and I remember seeing her, and I remember being smitten. I just knew, wow, this is the one, right? And so uh, as we were going with this retreat, uh, I was so interested in her. I couldn't think about anything else, but I didn't want to hit at her it hit on her at a retreat, right? Here I'm the spiritual leader, and we're supposed to, and, and I really like this girl. And so I was trying to think of ways, how can I talk with her? And I remember uh, there was a time, it was a, it was a Korean retreat, so uh, there was this big table of snacks. And I remember it's not like Doritos or Fritos or anything like that. It was actually Korean snacks, like kimbap, all right, which is uh, rice and all kinds of things wrapped up in seaweed, you know, things like that. And uh, they had all kinds of Korean snacks, like duck or mochi, you know, things like that. And then towards uh, the extreme end, they had this thing called sunde, all right, which is blood sausage, all right? And it's exactly what you're thinking. It's blood sausage. And it's very unpleasant looking, but uh, very good food. And so they had that with uh, pig's ears and liver all together kind of in one section. I know, wow. And so... Now, I, if you know me, I'm a foodie. I'm an extreme foodie. I'm adventurous. I love, if Bizarre Foods ever got rid of, uh, you know, a Zimmern and, and asked, I would love to actually participate and be the host on that show. It would be like my dream, okay? Because I love going to different places and trying different foods. As a matter of fact, I think we were at the Mammons, if the Mammons are here. Uh, last week, uh, we had Korean barbecue together, right? 
And uh, at the end, we ate uh, small intestines. I said, let's get some small intestines. And they were really great about eating small intestines with me. They ate a little bit, poquito small intestines, but, but uh, small, small intestines. But, but I ate the majority of it. But I love food, and I'm very adventurous. And so I remember, you know, with Joanne, I was kind of like seeing what she was like. So I was like, hey, there's some sunde blood sausage. Do you eat blood sausage? And I expected her to say, oh, I don't eat blood sausage, right? But she said, yeah, blood sausage, let's go. She started, like, eating it with the, the liver and the pig's ears and everything. And right then and there, I fell in love. I said, this is the one I need to marry right away. Because she's a fellow foodie like me, right? She's adventurous and everything. And so I really, really wanted to meet her. But, you know, it's a retreat. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel right about hitting on her. So what I did was I wrote her an encouragement card, okay? And can we show the encouragement card? Yeah. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And the front of it said, know what? God's not the only one that loves you. Yes. Yes. Very subtle. I'm a subtle guy, okay? I know, I know. And this is, and I'm actually letting you see what I wrote because this is what I wrote. This is not her handwriting. This is my handwriting, okay? This is what I wrote. Calm down, you guys. This is church. Calm down. Okay. All right. This is what I wrote. It said, Dear Joanne, just a little note to thank you for everything you've given at this retreat. And I am sorry if I went overboard and teased you too much. I guess I felt a little shy and I didn't know how to act when I was around you. It's funny, but you're the only person who has ever made me feel this way. Smiley face. Weird, huh? Calm down. Calm down. I have more. Okay. All right, well, I know that I was truly blessed at this glow of love retreat, and I feel I've made some wonderful discoveries. (laughs) Underlined, okay? I hope this experience was eye-opening for you as well. In Christ love, Dave Jung. And then I put a PS. I put a PS, this is awesome. Said, I hope to see you again in the near future. Hey, maybe we can do something sometime. My schedule is totally free. Yeah. You can, you can clap for that. That's cool. As a matter of fact, if you talk to Derek Wu, he actually took my idea, and that's how he got married. All right? That's right. You can clap for that. That's cool. All right. But anyway, I wanted to share that with you. And that was the very first love letter. And from the time that I wrote that uh, little encouragement card, and we, we got together, we started dating, and we got engaged, and we got married all with one year, within one year. So, yes, God's will, God's will. That's wonderful. Okay. And, you know, that started a custom for us. We shared love letters to each other. I have a box of love letters uh, under my bed that we have written to each other through the years. And so that is actually, for me, one of the most memorable displays of love that I've ever experienced. You know, the Bible is God's love letter to us. In it, we see his heart, his desires, his instructions, his promises, his will and plan for our lives. And so we should never look at God's word as some dry, dusty textbook. We should always treat it like a love letter from the most important person in our lives. You know, when we receive love letters, right, which nowadays we get texts and emails, but if we, sti- we still get love letters, they're very precious to us, right? We hang on every word. And so that should be how we treat the word of God. Can I get an Amen. Amen. So turn to your love letter to John chapter 20, 
And here we see John, the apostle of love, as he shares with us the greatest display of love that we could ever experience. And that is the resurrection of Jesus, the Messiah. Now you might say this morning, Pastor Dave, I thought the crucifixion was the greatest display of love that we could ever experience. And if you said that, I'd say absolutely right. That's true. The cross was the perfect gift of love to us. But I'm going to make a distinction between the two events of crucifixion and resurrection because I think we can appreciate it when we make this distinction. And let me say this. The crucifixion was the greatest love ever given. But the resurrection was the greatest love ever proven. Let me say that again. The crucifixion was the greatest love ever given, but the resurrection was the greatest love ever proven. And I'll, ex I'll explain that more as we go. But think about where we would be without the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 12 through 19, we see seven major problems that we would have as Christians without the resurrection, without the proof. Number one, if there is no resurrection, then Jesus didn't rise like he promised. In verse 13, and I realize we don't have these up. Uh, just follow along in your minds, or if you want to find the passage, you can. But in verse 13, it says, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. You see, all throughout the Gospels, Jesus promised that a Messiah would be a, that he as Messiah would be a sacrifice for sin, and that he would rise again from the dead. But if there is no resurrection, Jesus couldn't keep his promise. He was just another human being who died like any other person. Number two, if there is no resurrection, then the gospel is useless. Verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. The gospel means good news. It's all about the life, death, sacrifice, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's good news. But if Jesus is just a human being who died on a cross and didn't rise from the dead, then he is not the son of God. He is not the savior of the world. He didn't accomplish redemption for us. There's no good news. If there is no resurrection, then the gospel we proclaim is a snake oil scam that doesn't help anybody. Number three, if there is no resurrection, then Christians are liars. Verse 15, more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. If there is no resurrection, then we are false witnesses because what we share with people is not the truth. Number four, if there is no resurrection, then the Christian faith is worthless. Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. There's no point living a Christ-like, godly life. There's no point assembling as a church like we're doing right now. As a matter of fact, he goes further in verse 32, and he says, If the dead are not raised, then let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. It's pointless, it's meaningless, and it's worthless. Number five, if there is no resurrection, then everyone is still in a state of sin. Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, you are still in your sins. The Bible teaches that all human beings since Adam and Eve have a deadly virus of sin living within them. We call it the fall. And the gospel offers us the cure to fallenness. It was paid for by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, and it was validated by the power of the resurrection from the grave. So that if there is no resurrection, we still live under that state of sin. 
We still carry its deadly disease. We're still under its unbroken power. All of our sins cling to us without a cure, and there is no vaccine of forgiveness in sight. Number six, if there is no resurrection, then everyone is destined to death. Verse 18, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. That's a euphemism, fallen asleep for dying. Because of our sin, the Bible teaches that the result of our fallenness is death. The disease of sin leads to death. Physical death is separation of body from soul in the grave. And spiritual death is separation of man from God in hell. So that if there is no resurrection, death is the reality of our lives. And it's the destiny that we all face. That we face the grave and we face hell. Number seven. If there is no resurrection, then Christianity is pitiful. Verse 19, for if only this life we have hope in Christ, then we are of all people most to be pitied. If there is no resurrection, there is no hope. There is no power. There is no purpose. Christianity then becomes a man-made religion that offers nothing to us. That is why the resurrection is proof of Jesus' love. This is why both the crucifixion and the resurrection are so important. The cross was the greatest gift ever given. But the empty tomb was the greatest love ever proven. And this is why both are essential. Without the crucifixion, we have nothing given to us. Without the resurrection, we have nothing proven to us. I'm glad the Bible doesn't stop at the crucifixion Friday. Amen? Amen. We were able to celebrate it together. It's very important, but it doesn't stop there. In chapter 15 and verse 20 of 1 Corinthians, it says, But Christ indeed has been raised from the dead. I'm going to invite us into uh, an exercise that people have, Christians have done throughout the centuries. I'm going to say Christ is risen, and you are going to say he is risen indeed. Okay? I'm going to say Christ is risen. You're going to respond by saying he is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Amen, amen. Doesn't that sound beautiful? This is where God's greatest love to us was proven. Now let's look in John chapter 20. Uh, let's begin reading in verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Verse 5, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, verse 7, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside, and he saw and believed. What did he see and believe? Well, the Bible tells us that they weren't exactly sure what to make of everything, that everything didn't totally click right then and there, but they knew something amazing and miraculous had happened. And one thing's for sure, they discovered an empty tomb. Why is the empty tomb so important? It's because the empty tomb is proof that God has amazing love for us. You see, resurrection is the greatest display of love that we can ever experience in our lives. And that begs the question, how? How is the resurrection the greatest display of love that we can experience in our lives? Well, firstly, the resurrection proves 
that Jesus loves you enough to keep all of his promises. You see, Jesus promised his disciples that he would rise on the third day. When you study the Gospels, you will see that Jesus fulfills every prophecy, even to the minutest detail. This tells us that he has the power to fulfill every promise given. You can bank on every promise he has given to you. Amen? The empty tomb promises that even in your darkest night, Jesus will faithfully be with you. It gives feet to the words, I will never leave you or forsake you. It gives muscles to the phrase, I will be with you even until the end of time. The empty tomb promises that even in your hardest trial, it's not big enough for you to lose hope. It brings power to that promise, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, the empty tomb promises that even in your greatest suffering, there is a divine purpose and plan. It brings peace, that promise. And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You see, the darkest night, the hardest trial, the greatest suffering cannot extinguish the love that Jesus has for you. It's the empty tomb where his love was proven. How is the resurrection the greatest display of love that we can experience in our lives? The second, the second point is that the resurrection proves that Jesus loves you enough to defeat sin and death for you. You see, Jesus came to earth to free you from the bondage of sin. His very name, Yeshua, means he will save his people from their sins. Are you struggling with sin this morning? The empty tomb is a reminder that sin doesn't have to have the mastery and control over you anymore, that you have the victory. You know, death has always been the most frightening, the most unsettling reality of our lives. And if we were honest, we would say that uh, humanity lives in anxiety of death. The empty tomb is Jesus' trophy that he has conquered death. I've shared this before, but let me share it again. It's so powerful. You know, when I was in college, uh, I would enter many karate tournaments. And, you know, I'm not trying to brag, okay, but it's going to sound like a brag. I'd win most of my tournaments, okay? And I, I would win many times these huge first-place trophies. After those tournaments, when we were going home, we would take those trophies that we won, and we would go into a restaurant, and we would celebrate, okay? We would put it right on the table, and we would shout, and uh, a lot of times these were uh, taekwondo tournaments, and so we would shout, Manse, which is a Korean victory cry. We would hold up our trophies, and we would brag about the guy we knocked out, or we would boast about the things that we did. The trophy is a tangible reminder of my victory. A trophy proves the date and time that I won. You know, the NBA playoffs is coming up pretty soon, and many of you are excited about that. And the goal of every team is to win the Larry O'Brien Trophy. And if we could show the picture of last year's champions, okay, however you feel about them, you know, they're holding up their trophies. And what do they do? The winning team will kiss their trophies and hold it up and take pictures with it. The trophy proves the date and the time when they became a champion. As a matter of fact, they carry many trophies, those rings with them that individually it shows that they were a champion for whatever year that they won. When Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, the one who believes in me will live, 
Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He is promising that if you place your faith and trust in him, you will live forever and forever eternally. Amen? How do I know that he can pull that off? How do I know that he is the resurrection? Well, he points to his trophy, the empty tomb. And he gives you the date and the time that he conquered death for you. Jesus flashes his championship ring and he shows you that he won and that is the empty tomb. So that when death bears its fangs in your life, the Christian can confidently say, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Jesus won victory over death when he resurrected from the tomb. As a matter of fact, his title is, he is the first fruits of the resurrection. What does that mean? That means that just as Jesus first and foremost rose from the dead, he was the first fruits, so we also who placed our trust in him will follow him by rising from the dead to live eternally. How is the resurrection the greatest display of love that we could ever experience in our lives? Here's my third point. The resurrection proves that Jesus loves you enough to transform your lives. Verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, or the Jewish leaders, look at these disciples. They're hiding in fear. This is their posture before knowing about the resurrection. They're all scared and confused. They're anxious and discouraged. They're depressed and overwhelmed. Let's continue reading in verse 19. Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Verse 20. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Jesus resurrects and he appears to his beloved disciples And he proves to them that he is risen. Check out my hands and my side. He is big enough to keep his promises. He is strong enough to save from sin. He is great enough to defeat death. And Jesus is powerful enough to transform their lives. I want you to consider those same disciples after the resurrection, after Jesus appears to them. They obey that great commission to go out and make disciples. And history and tradition tells us what happened to them. James, if we could put that up, please. I want you to take a look at this. James, the son of Zebedee, shared the gospel and was beheaded by Herod in Jerusalem. Bartholomew went out proclaiming the good news and was tortured and beheaded in Armenia. Philip shared the gospel and was tortured to death in Turkey. Matthew shared the good news and was speared to death in Ethiopia. Thomas boldly proclaimed a faith in Jesus and was speared to death in India. Thaddeus shared the good news and was stoned to death in Persia. Matthias went out obediently making disciples and was stoned to death in Jerusalem. Simon the Zealot went out to share the love of God and was crucified in Jerusalem. James the son of Alphaeus shared the gospel and was crucified in Rome. Peter proclaimed the good news and was crucified upside down in Rome. Andrew shared the gospel and was crucified in Greece. And John, ever the loved one, shared the good news of Jesus Christ and was tortured by being boiled in oil. What does that tell us? Before they were scared and confused, anxious and insecure. After the resurrection, the transformation that happened, they were bold, determined, courageous, and confident. Can I share with you, this is the greatest proof of the resurrection. Because people will die for something they believe to be true, 
But people will never die for something they know to be false. If they had stolen the body, if they had fabricated this good news message, if it were all a scam that they had set up, they would have left it at the first sign of suffering. What advantage, after all, would they have had to suffer and die for a lie that they created? No, my friend. The, gospel's willing, the disciples' willingness to suffer and die for the gospel is proof that they had been transformed by what they had per- personally witnessed, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The only explanation of this transformation is the resurrection. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. You know, uh, very uh, soon, right now, we are going to do baptism. Think about what baptism is. It is an outward declaration of an inward transformation. It's a display of love shown to Jesus that when that person enters into the water, he dies. And when he is lifted up out of the water, he is raised to new life in Christ. He is resurrected just as Jesus resurrected from the tomb. And that is an outward show to all of us, the change that has happened in life. Before we were a certain way, after now, we are ready to follow Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that any of them will die for their faith, right? God forbid any of us would, but there is a power in our hearts and lives that we are convinced that even in death, that we will raise with him because God has done everything that he has in our lives to make us a blessing for all eternity. Can I get an amen? Thanks so much for joining us today. We're really grateful that you'd spend time listening to the sermon series. And we also wanted to point you to a few other resources. My wife and I wrote a children's book collection helping kids bridge their faith with God's calling in their life as a businessman, as a doctor or nurse, and as a creative. Secondly, we wrote an adulting journal which helps young adults think through this transition into adulthood, whether it's transitions in friendship, family, faith, or calling. And lastly, I want to point to a podcast that myself and another church member, Roy Kim, who's a therapist, co-host together it's called the same boat we talk about relationships we just finished um, a series on dating we think back to an english ministry church and we just tackle all kinds of topics that are relevant to our life i hope that uh, those resources enrich your life as well and lastly if you're looking to partner with us on our website we have a give section you could give to our general fund and continue to serve our church through um through partnering with us financially but if you scroll down we have quite a few local missionaries that have called renew home if you read their bio there's also a section to give to each one of our local missionaries we hope that all of them would be fully funded going into this year god bless you thanks so much for being with us and uh, hope to hear hope to uh, have you join us again